so happy you came. Pull up a chair. Let me tell you of dreams, things common and rare. Let us talk a while of love, of fate, and of chance. Let us sing, let us rage, let us run, let us dance. Let us drink from the cup from which life overflows. Let us breathe in this sweet smelling wind as it comes and it goes. Dawn hours here on Sunday, August 11th, 2019. The sky is still dark. The birds haven't even woken yet. Those lazy bastards. And we're going to begin this show the way we'll begin it every time by reciting T.E. Lawrence's Invocation of the Muse. The invocation was done by Homer before reciting any epic poetry and was calling forth the muse to help him tell his story. And that's what we're doing this morning. O oh, divine poesy, goddess, daughter of Zeus, sustain for me this song of various-minded men who after he had plundered the innermost citadel of hallowed Troy, was made to stay grievously about the coasts of men, the sport of their customs, good and bad, while his heart, through all the seafaring, ached with an agony to redeem himself and bring his company safe home. Vain hope for them, the fools. Their own witlessness cast them aside, to destroy the meat, the oxen, for the most exalted sun, wherefore the sun god blotted out the day of their return. Make this tale live for us in all its many bearings, O Muse. Since this is the first episode, and I'm trying to feel my way through this and see what will work, let me explain what my plan is so far. I've prepared four readings basically uh, kind of surrounding different topics, but each governed by a particular theme. Yet we only have time for three readings and a song. So we're going to leave it up to chance. We're going to leave it up to the muse here. I have four playing cards, one of each suit. And 
I'm going to randomly choose. Blindly. Depending on what I choose will be the topic that I cover. For instance, if I choose heart, that represents a theme about the emotions, about love, uh, about youth, vulnerability, art. If I choose clubs, that's about the intellect, education, our, uh, the literary and kind of intellectual pursuit of things. If I choose a diamond, that's about money, career, um, making things happen in your life, creating abundance in your life in a financial and physical sense. And if I pull one of the spades, that's about wisdom, that's about environment, nature, transformation, and the spirit. But I feel that in whatever topic we cover, it's an important part of each of us. And so it should be useful. But we're gonna let the muse guide us. So let's try it now. of hearts. Looks like we're going to art and emotion first. Today's episode is going to feature the work of a very special poet. I met him years ago. His name was Glenn Jones, and he began several large business ventures, including Jones Intercable here in Denver, Colorado, as well as, I believe, GMT and a few other large cable stations. He was a pioneer in that world. He was a self-made billionaire. But when I met him as an employee years ago, I was always kind of struck by his aesthetic taste. Also, by the fact that he gave books of poetry to all of his new employees. Now, very few, if any, of his employees read these books. I didn't at the time, but I kept a few of them. They're very hard to find now. He's long since passed, and I don't think there's anyone pushing these out anymore. But I want to read some from him. And since we chose the Queen of Hearts, I'm going to start with a piece of his called Gentle Woman. Gentlewoman by Glenn Jones She was like a seed on the land and blown by the wind entering people's lives gently and with a smile but never taking root yet her short presence was magic like the moment when water turns to ice when molten iron becomes steel when friendship turns to love and when she left, she disappeared slowly, fading in the warm afterglow of her own gentle style. She was a seed on the land and blown by the wind. So many times the people we meet in our lives that spark some sort of romantic connection with us. It doesn't have to even be interest. It doesn't even have to be a relationship, but people who spark that in us somehow kind of have that feeling, don't they? Where they, they come in, they spark something, but they never take root. They leave, and hopefully they haven't betrayed it, and we're all the better for it, even though it didn't become 
what ultimately maybe we hoped it would have. In this day and age, I keep hearing more and more how hard it is to meet people and to connect. And there's a short, very short piece in Glenn Jones' book called Observation. It's just two lines, and I think it makes so much sense to me about why it's hard for us to meet and focus on just one person nowadays. This is observation. Without the moon, the firefly is a more important visitor. My goal on this podcast will be to have each week a new piece of music to present to you that somehow fits in part of the theme that I'm going for. It starts this week. This piece has been named uh, through inspiration from Glenn Jones' work. This is more of a thematic instrumental piece. It's called The Big Arena. That was The Big Arena, a piece inspired by the work of Glenn Jones, both his work in poetry and his work in real life. It was really telling when I was in Glenn Jones' building, which no longer exists, there was a lower floor that had a gym, and no one was ever on that floor that I saw. I would go down during lunchtime, and I would work out. And I would take this elevator down, and the first thing you would see after the elevator door opened on this quiet, desolate floor was a dark hallway. And in the middle of the dark hallway, right in front of the elevator door, was an illuminated sculpture of 
a Chinese-style dragon. It was only then that I understood the dragons represented the elements of life, chance, change, fate, the foes he would have to battle in the arena. And now knowing that and seeing that symbolism, it's very powerful. This sort of deep, secret reminder of these powerful forces in the bowels of a corporate building. But speaking of symbolism, it's time for me to choose our next reading. So the hearts has now been eliminated from the deck or the four cards I have. So now I will blindly choose the next. All right, the queen of spades, wisdom and the spirit, two of my favorite subjects. So I'm going to read you a short story by Glenn Jones called The Airport at Night. He refers to himself in a way as Yankee throughout these books. So when you hear the term Yankee, I'm assuming that this is Glenn Jones. Yankee debarked from his corporate jet at the John Wayne Airport into the warm Southern California night. Almost immediately, a uniformed co-pilot descended and handed him his briefcase and his folded nylon two-suitor with its many zipped pockets. Thank you, Dan, Yankee said appreciatively. Then he turned and headed for the small general aviation terminal. Yankee, Yankee, over here, a clear voice called. Yankee turned to see a tall, thin man approaching from around the solid fence which protruded into the pavement. Ah, the philosopher, we meet again, Yankee said as the smiling man came closer. Sorry for the abruptness, the philosopher said. I knew that you were arriving here tonight. As I mentioned in my letter to you, the poet has decided to become an entrepreneur and I hoped that you might come and visit with us. It's his birthday and your presence will be a surprise for him. Yankee peered in the direction from which the philosopher had come, searching for the poet. You cannot see him here, the philosopher said. He's around the fence. It's very close. Our visits are always intriguing, Yankee said warmly. The co-pilot, seeing that Yankee had stopped and was talking with what appeared to be a stranger, walked over to them. Dan, Yankee said, everything's okay. Would you take my bag to the terminal? Just leave it and I'll pick it up shortly. Yes, sir, the co-pilot said. He reached over and took the two-suitor from Yankee and continued toward the terminal. This way, said the philosopher. Yankee, still carrying his briefcase, walked beside the philosopher toward the end of the fence. In my letter, I asked you for whatever advice you might have for the poet, the philosopher said pleasantly. Yes, I've prepared something, Yankee said. There are many poets among the entrepreneurs. They're creative. Their inner wellspring of ideas thrives on competition. The rivalry in the arena heightens their creativity. They rounded the end of the fence, and a small campfire abruptly came into view. It reflected softly against a small plane standing nearby. There were two boxes and a cement block with a piece of wood atop it to be arranged for seating around the fire. As they approached, the poet arose from one of the boxes to greet them. A pleasant surprise indeed, the poet said as Yankee entered the ring of light. They shook hands firmly and sat down. Yankee adjusted the board on the cement block for comfort. Happy birthday, Yankee said with gusto once he was settled. The philosopher smiled at the poet, who was visibly very pleased by Yankee's presence. We've been discussing the conditions in the arena, the philosopher began, then paused and looked across at the poet. 
The storms of change are upon us, the poet said, picking up the conversation. Their winds touch us all. Even the willows are threatened by their force. Computers, the noiseless engines of change flex over us like northern light gone mad. They weave a new cloth. Everything is moving and there is nothing to hold on to except the words of philosophers. Great turbulence plows the arena. The loons cry in the darkness for new wilderness in which to hide. Great vested interests are threatened under attack from the alert. The cerebral and the customers all willing to wait no longer for the fruits of change. Entrepreneurs feverishly mold their clay. There are foggy marshes between the human mind, brain's sudden domination of the planet and that same mind brain's terrible limitations. These marches are the entrepreneur's new frontier, the poet said intensely. He paused pensively before continuing. The storms of change are... Storms? Storms? No, it is I. A dragon's voice erupted boldly from the darkness, interrupting the poet. Then many dragon voices loudly and in unison pierced the short after stillness, saying, I am here. The dragon of change, Yankee said sternly, having recognized the single voice becoming many in union and then becoming a single voice again. Very quick, entrepreneur, very quick indeed, the dragon said in a single voice. I am back. The dragon continued in many voices. I have returned to the arena. You are always in the arena, Yankee responded. Ah, but not in force, not in legion, the dragon replied. Often I sleep for millennia while the lesser of my legion roam the earth for signals warranting my return. The dragon spoke in single voice for clarity. What awakens you? queried Yankee. It is the movement of vested dragons, dragon change continued in a single voice. The vested dragons bellyache loudly to bureaucrats and to the courts for protection. Their monopolies are threatened and their high screeching awakens me. The radiating energy from those whom they are trying to crush and the heat of the friction from the forces of the progress they resist, these things trigger me. They are signals of freedom, and I return in legion when there is great freedom in the arena. I change the arena into dragon fields. The dragon's many voices roared in unison. They had a sinister and threatening ring. What vested dragons are sounding? The philosopher asked gently, not to further antagonize dragon change. They are numerous. Not only your institutions, but your economic monoliths writhe and squirm on the framework of your freedom and your constitution. In the crucible of change, your great experiment to remain free and self-governed is threatened by inflexibility. There are giant creatures among you who are too entrenched, too fat, too brittle to survive in their present form. Like mammoth dinosaurs I witnessed at the dawn of humankind, they gasp in the dust for breath. They will perish. The small but adaptable flies will cover their carcasses at will. There is great agony and great opportunity in your arena. You speak in parables. You deliberately hide specifics to avoid helping us, said Yankee. <laughs> I'm not here to help. I'm here to challenge, responded the dragon harshly. Help yourself, entrepreneur, if you're able. Dragon change was greatly angered. You try to grasp the manner of my thoughts for your own strategic advantage. Blasphemous, the dragon scowled boisterously. Yankee smiled coldly and did not speak. The dragon, newly awakened, 
seemed starkly alert and unwilling to leave their company. I was last here in Legion for the Renaissance, Dragon Change said, clearing its throat in many voices. There was great freedom then. Before that, I was with the Saracens in North Africa. It was their freedom that inspired energy that I followed north to the Renaissance. In North Africa, the zero was invented, and great progress was made in mathematics and science and medicine and agriculture. Then, north across the Mediterranean, the land was lifted from the Dark Ages. Great progress occurred until we were frozen by the vested dragons of the time. They delivered us the famine of the monarchs, the dictators, the bureaucrats, and their planned economies. For centuries I have slept. I tell you, here and now, the energy level in this arena explodes, more intense even than in North Africa during the Renaissance at full blossom. My stimulation has never been more intense. I have awakened gradually over the last 200 years. Now I am here, in Legion. The minds of many are troubled by the myriad forces of change, the philosopher says. Ha! It is I! I create the change that disturbs you, the dragon bellowed. I am a powerful dragon. You forget, I am the dragon change and I am many. I multiply like the virus and cause great upheaval across the arena. I roam wildly, uprooting all in my path. Even the movement of your technology is propelled by my ferocity. The dragon's many voices laughed loudly and in unison. The movement in technology, queried the philosopher. Yes, your information age powered by computers. You create and store vast amounts of information, then move at the speed of light. Information is now like the wind. It knows no borders. In the face of your telecommunications technology, oceans become ponds. Time and distance are erased. But you create and deliver information faster than it can be understood. In your information age, you must deal with the limitations of the planet's first wet computer, the human brain. Therein lies your challenge, the dragon said arrogantly. You are a promising vexation, Yankee said with finality as he stood up. You are leaving? I'm not finished, Dragon Change said dejectedly. I go to my bed, Yankee said. Ha! You go to your nest. I, once awakened, do not sleep, retorted Dragon Change. I wait for you at every turn. The dragon laughed truculently and its many voices echoed from the clouds. Tomorrow then, Yankee said coldly. I'll see you on my canvas tomorrow, but neither do I come alone, for we also are many and we have great energy. There are many needs to fill, many mouths to feed, and many rewards to reap. You are here in Legion, but we will mold you to our liking. We will harness you to our advantage. Not easily, entrepreneur, not easily. I re-emphasize lest you miss the magnitude of my presence. I'm now here in Legion. I am strong and I never sleep, the dragon threatened loudly. Do what you can, Yankee said without fear, as he picked up his briefcase from beside the cement block seat. Good night. Yankee began to leave. Tomorrow, then, we shall test your mettle in the arena tomorrow, the dragon snarled. Suddenly, then, it violently flicked its giant tail and left roaring loudly as it disappeared. Wait, the philosopher smiled at Yankee. Exhausting lot, these dragons, Yankee said softly. Your advice, the philosopher said. Your advice to the poet. Yes, I've written it down, but it's to entrepreneurs generally. 
It's here in my briefcase, Yankee said as he opened his briefcase and extracted the blue envelope, which he handed to the poet. The poet smiled broadly and bowed minutely. And so good night, my friends, Yankee said affectionately. Then, briefcase in hand, he quickly left. The poet looked at the blue envelope, typed in large letters across the front, were the words, advice to entrepreneurs. He opened the letter and read, The big arena is bounded by imagination, by feelings, by experience, and is a place with the destiny of a black hole. It is unstructured. It is where sheer reality exists and where the hunch and luck are alive. A canvas where love and technology intertwine in the wistful winds. It's where you find the spirit of children, the echoes of the pre-existing in the poet's soul. A place where there are vast moving things you cannot see, but can powerfully feel their passing in the darkness. It has timber. It is a place beyond words, beyond the reach of your eyes. A place you cannot reach with reason. It's a battlefield with cold risk, intrigue, aesthetic joy, crisis, and despair. It is a distant lute in the darkness, whose melody ruminates amidst sparkling treasures and seething dragons. To survive there requires your constant energies, your instincts, and your intense concentration. It's hard to leave. Entrepreneurs, I caution you, look outward also. Dimly in the distance, loved ones wait for you. Rush to them, lest your accomplishments become your spring of sorrow. Go, with a playful spirit, go, if you can. While the concepts in that story are angled towards, say, an entrepreneur, you also see there's a philosopher and a poet and the entrepreneur, and really, they're all facets of the same person. This conversation could be happening within somebody. And an entrepreneur is just a term for the person who endeavors to do something and create something new and to contend with these forces in the world. I love the idea that among entrepreneurs are many poets because I believe that to be true. And I believe that it is a very creative endeavor if done with that heart and that spirit. Glenn Jones, I felt, was a great spirit. I knew it when I looked in his eyes. I'm sure he's missed. He's missed by me. And I'm sad that I've just really discovered his poetry recently. All right, it's time for us to choose the last of our readings here. So now I'm going to reach out and choose the Queen of Clubs. Spirit, literature, also some of my favorite subjects. For this, I'm going to read a short piece called August Winds. This is a lyric to a song written by Gordon Sumner, known to others as Sting. When August winds are turning, the fishing boats set out upon the sea. I watch till they sail out of sight. The winter follows soon. I watch them drawn into the night beneath the August moon. No one knows I come here. Some things I don't share. I can't explain the reasons why it moves me close to tears. Or something in the season's change will find me wandering here. And in my public moments, I hear the things I say, but they're not me. 
Perhaps I'll know before I die. Admit that there's a reason why. I count the boats returning to the sea. I count the boats returning to the sea. And in my private moments, I drop the mask that I've been forced to wear. But no one knows the secret me, where I'll be it unconsciously. I count the boats returning from the sea. I count the boats returning from the sea. Thank you for coming. Thank you for taking your time. I'd love to hear your opinion of this. Whether you love it, whether you hate it, what do you think I can change to make it better? I endeavor to make this a peaceful place where we can talk about ideas and art and stories. And the concept will change over time, as it always does. I want to incorporate interviews, different people, different music. So I'd love to hear your ideas. If you want to send me a message, you can. Go to michaelamaday.com, put it in the contact form. It's a good way to get me. If you find yourself being creative with poetry, lyrics, or short fiction, consider listening to my radio show, World Poetry Open Mic. We broadcast every Friday at 8 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. You can find us at worldpoetryopenmic.net. But for this podcast, the next episode will be next Sunday. However, keep an eye on the feed because I will be doing intermittent things during the week from time to time. I want to let this kind of be an open and moving, growing feed. All right, everyone. Thank you again for coming. Love you, and I'll talk to you next time. Until then, blessings and goodbye.